Lord God, we thank you for the God that you are. Lord, we thank you that you love us and know us. I pray that you'd help us now to focus our eyes on you and speak through me and open up your word to our hearts. Amen. So the topic today is, does God see my suffering? So during the pandemic, my husband and I got really into, some would say on my part, slightly obsessed with Korean dramas. There are a huge number of these, and there are many, many different kinds of them. So some of them, and my favorite ones, are absurdist comedies. There's also historical dramas, romantic dramas, and there's even a surprisingly gripping one on the back office story of a Korean baseball team off-season. If anyone wants any recommendations, do come and see me at the end. But before Christmas, we came across one called Our Blues. And we were drawn to it mainly because we recognized quite a lot of the characters. So just like in the UK, the same people pop up in dramas. The same is true of Korean ones. And some of our favorite people were there and we thought we'll try this. So it's an episodic drama held in a fishing village. And we're slowly introduced to a wide range of characters. So the title, Or Blues, gives us a hint that this isn't exactly a laugh a minute. All of the characters that we meet, we slowly begin to realize that they're all struggling with something in their lives. So some of the people are immediately sympathetic and endearing and we're really on their side. Some of them we don't really notice at the beginning and some of them are actually downright unlikable, it seems to us. Some of them seem to have been played a really unfair hand at life. Some of them seem to seal through and they don't seem to have so many problems. And others seem to bring misfortune upon themselves and onto other people. But the beauty and the power of this series is that the writers allows us to get to know each of the characters, to see their struggles and the stories behind them. And slowly but surely, we begin to grow in sympathy for even the most unlikable people. And as I was contemplating the thorny question of whether God sees our suffering, I was reminded of our blues. The villagers slowly begin and learn to understand each other and also to show their pain to one another and to see a common longing to be accepted, to be seen and to be understood. Now, you may be in the midst of an intense time of suffering this afternoon, and you may be almost holding your breath as I'm speaking, wondering what's going to be said. Or perhaps you've suffered in the past, and those wounds are still healing. Some of us may be walking a road of suffering with a friend or loved one just now. And some of us may be in a very good place, and this question of suffering is more an issue of apologetics rather than a burning issue for us just now. But however we come, God wants to meet with us. And when we ask the question, does God see my suffering? We are often really asking, does God really care? And is he going to do anything about it? And John 11 verses 1 to 37 is a really rich and often complex passage. And there are many aspects we could focus on. So I thought it might be helpful if I just outline the three points that we're going to be looking at this afternoon. So firstly, Jesus cares about your suffering. Secondly, Jesus responds to us as individuals. And thirdly, and most beautifully, 
Jesus brings hope in the midst of our suffering. So firstly, Jesus cares about our suffering. When life is tough, it's easy to think that God has stopped caring about us or is punishing us or even has forgotten about us. It's also even easy to question his very character and his goodness. The story we've just read is a story about illness and death. But it's also clear from the passage we read that it's part of the bigger story of Jesus' mission. And Jesus' decision to delay his trip to Bethany is tied into that bigger picture. However, John is at pains to tell us that the family at the heart of this story is known and loved by Jesus. And they also know that they are loved by him. When Lazarus falls ill, his sisters send word to Jesus that the one he loves is sick. And then John goes on to record in verse 5 that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus knows that he has many enemies in Judea, but he still chooses to go. And later in the passage, when Jesus sees Mary and her companions grieving, And when she invites him to come and see where Lazarus has been laid, he weeps too. Jesus loves the people at the center of this story. John doesn't allow the reader to view this story through the prism of God being displeased with the family or neglecting the family or being blind to their feelings. There are aspects of the narrative that are hard to fathom And we see that Martha and Mary have many questions. However, there is no escaping the message that they are loved by Jesus and that he cares deeply about what they are going through. And you may be here today and life is very painful and you're barely managing to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And it's easy to feel that you're forgotten or feel that you're overlooked Please allow this truth to dwell in your heart. You are loved by God, and that is the lens through which each of us needs to read our story and to bring our cares and our questions to Jesus. And then secondly, Jesus responds to us as individuals. So the key figures in this story are Jesus and Lazarus' two sisters, Martha and Mary. And you may know them from the story where Martha is really busy in the kitchen and complains to Jesus that Mary, who's sitting at Jesus' feet, should come and help her. So here we see Martha rushing out to see Jesus as soon as she knows he's coming. And Martha is a formidable woman. Martha wants answers and she wants actions. She is quick to remind Jesus that he could have stopped her brother dying. But she also, she has a plan B ready for Jesus. She also knows that he could get it right second time round. She wants him to still do something. Jesus gives Martha his full attention and answers her in a way which shows understanding of her need for explanation and action. We know from what Martha tells Mary later on that Jesus asked to see Mary But John doesn't record Jesus saying those actual words. Jesus' focus when talking to Martha is on Martha and her needs. 
And we've all probably been in that situation where we meet somebody and we can see their eyes slightly fleeting behind us, looking to see if somebody more interesting is coming along. And dare I say, perhaps all of us have done that. Jesus isn't listening to Martha with one ear and looking over her shoulder, the other, other eye, looking for Mary. Jesus focuses on Martha. He knows what she needs from him. But perhaps we relate more to Mary, who doesn't come out immediately and needs to be nudged to come and see Jesus. And she says exactly the same thing as Martha. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Mary stops there. At that moment, her greatest need is not answers, but compassion and comfort. Jesus doesn't speak to Mary about hope or about even who he is. He is deeply moved by her pain and the pain of those who comfort her. Jesus asks where they have laid Lazarus, and they reply with the same invitational language that we've seen Jesus himself use, come and see. And what comes next is the shortest, yet surely one of the most powerful verses in scripture. Jesus wept. When faced with Mary and her neighbouring suffering, and with the death of his dear friend, our Lord wept with them. We can come to Jesus as we are, knowing that he knows and understands each one of us. He sees us as we are and responds to us in that way. Some of us come to prayer with words aplenty, telling God everything and firing off lots of questions and concerns. Some of us come confused and even angry and hurt by God. And some of us come into his presence and find ourselves simply weeping at his feet. There is no right or better way. The power of these verses is that Jesus meets with each sister on their terms and in the way which they need. However we come to Jesus, we are welcome and we are known and we are loved. And if we're seeking to walk alongside those who are suffering, we need to get to know them, to listen to them, to respond to them as individuals, to ask them to let us know when we get it wrong. And we really need to be gracious with each other. We are all loved and known by God. And so let's really pray for one another and ask God to deepen our love and understanding of one another as we really learn to what it is to love each other as a family. And thirdly, and I, for expectation's sake, I don't say finally, because we're going to linger a while here. Jesus brings hope in the midst of their suffering. If Jesus simply cares about us and is simply a sympathetic ear for us, then there is nothing new to see here. But gloriously, there is so much more. This is a story about grief and death. And yet John can't resist giving us a glimmer of this hope right at the beginning of the chapter. So look with me at verse 2 of John 11. It says, This Mary, 
whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So when we see the brackets, it makes us think that we've seen this story before. Like I mentioned Mary and Martha's story about the, the kitchen earlier. But the interesting thing is, this story of Jesus' feet being anointed hasn't yet happened. That's going to happen after this story. So to go back to Ken and I watching our Korean dramas, often they finish, each episode finishes with a cliffhanger. I don't like a cliffhanger. I get very anxious. I really need to know what's going to happen, especially if it's been stressful and someone may not survive. So I really love to watch the preview, and, and there are previews for them, so I can know whether I can breathe again. My husband hates spoilers. He hates previews. He will close his eyes. He will stick, literally, he will stick his fingers in his ears, and he has been known to go, wah, wah, so over the years, we've learned not to watch the previews, but I have to confess, Google is a wonderful thing, and I have been known to have a sneaky look at Google to check what's going to happen next, just to know if all is going to be well. The Apostle John clearly appreciates that some of the readers need to know where they are heading, and there should be a spoiler alert before first two. Things are going to get tense and emotional in the coming verses, but John wants us to know that the relationship Jesus has with the family is going to be, survive and be deepened through the coming events. This is a story with hope right from the outset. But to get to the real heart of the hope that Jesus brings, come with me to Jesus' conversation with Martha in verses 25 to 27. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall not die, and the one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha responds that she believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So when I was in my 20s, I had a German friend called Eckhart who used to get really worked up about what he called lollipop Christianity. Whatever the difficult question or suffering someone was facing, the answer would be the equivalent of, Jesus loves you, have a lollipop. What he meant was that there is a risk that in our rush to make things better, we don't hear the real pain or grapple with the deep issues. We offer a lollipop, which although it gives a sweet rush, cannot bring deep healing. Jesus exposes lollipop Christianity as a poor version of what he has come to bring us. Jesus came as a suffering servant. So we've seen that Martha says that Jesus is the Messiah. And this Messiah in scripture is God's anointed one whose coming is prophesied in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah prophesies about the suffering servant, the king who will defeat death through dying for our sins. And we looked with Ben last week about how Jesus was the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And here, Jesus goes further. Not only will he suffer and die, he will rise again and break through the barriers of sin and death. The hope of the resurrection comes through the death of Jesus. Even in these verses that we've read, we see Jesus weeping. Yes, he is moved when he sees their sorrow, but the tears flow when they invite him to come and see. Jesus' mission on earth is to suffer and die and rise again to enable us to come and see God. In Jesus, we have hope that there will be a time when all suffering and all pain will cease and we will be with God forever. But future hope is not the whole story. There is hope for the present too. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We can know hope in the midst of our suffering. Jesus is alive within us by his Holy Spirit, and he walks with us through our pain and suffering. My mum died in July 2020 during the COVID pandemic. It was July, so there were still lots of restrictions in place, but amazingly, I was able to fly over to Northern Ireland with two of our children for her wake and funeral. My son Toby, who's now 16, was 13 at the time. He could see that his grandfather was really struggling with grief and his own ill health. And Toby was finding it hard to know how to communicate with him. My dad was quite grumpy quite a bit of the time and was really struggling. But Toby discovered that his granddad really opened up when he was praying. And so Toby decided that he would pray with his granddad each day and that they would talk to God together. And that became their pattern every time they got together. And at that time, at 13, Toby was really struggling to know whether he wanted to become a Christian for himself. He had really huge questions about the relevance of the Bible in today's culture, and actually huge questions about the character and goodness of God when he thought through many issues faced by his friends. However, by watching his granddad walk a path of grief and physical pain, and yet keep his eyes fixed on Jesus, and to see his granddad find strength and hope in him, Toby came to a point where he realized everything didn't need to be neat and tidy. He didn't need to have all the answers. He just needed to decide whether or not he believed and trusted in Jesus. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we can trust him to not leave us and to give us strength for each new day. And we need to really lean into this truth. So that is the big question for us all today. Do we believe that God loves us, irrespective of our circumstances, that he sees us, and he knows us just as we are.
and that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have hope of life with him, both in the present and the future. And as I was writing the talk, the, the line in the old song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, came to mind. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And I thought I would close with these verses from Lamentations chapter 3, which remind us of God's faithfulness to us, even in the midst of our suffering. This is Lamentations 3, 19 to 24. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.